This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. For more downloads, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. Well, good afternoon. Thank you for coming along. Um, I'm going to do a pre-install, which I shouldn't perhaps do, but I want you to be aware that everything we're going to talk about, everything we're going to find out, I'm no great scholar, so don't think I'm anything like that or anything. Maybe you already think that, but um, I'm no great scholar, and what we're going to discover is things that you can discover for yourself reading this amazing Word of God, and especially in conjunction with this man, Daniel. Yes, we're going to look at chapter 7. We're going to look at it very intensely, and we're going to have a quite good look at it and see what we can get from it. But can I plead with you to go away and read the whole of Daniel? Because the whole of Daniel is such a wonderful book. It's a book that will inspire you. If you don't believe in the Bible, if you don't believe in God, I defy you when you've finished, if you understand it, if you've tried your best, I defy you to really not believe in God. There's a challenge for you straight off the bat. So, Daniel, prophecies. There's loads. There's actually tons in Daniel's, and we would be here. <laughs> I reckoned, I did a, did a sort of calculation. I think we would be here for about three to four days, give or take. And that's assuming everything went well, meals were okay, and we kept going. There is so much there. That's what I'm trying to say to you. And I'm going to attempt to show you as much as I can from Daniel and show you as much as we can. So why Daniel? Well, we're going to look at Daniel because he's talking about today as well as what happened yesterday. And I think, and we think as Christadelphians, that it proves that if these things are true in the past, and Daniel can prove this, and he will, then surely it's worth looking to see what he has to say, believe it or not, for the future. But I wonder what you would do if you knew the future. I know a lot of people at work, I know what they would do. They'd put down the certain numbers for the certain lottery. So they'd make absolutely certain they won it. Every time there's a big rollover, everybody goes around and says, do you want to join this, do you want to join that? We're going to, there's a huge big rollover, so many millions. We're going to win it this time, we're going to buy the yacht and all the rest of it. I wonder what you would do, though, if you had that. I wonder if you knew the future, what would you do with it? What's, what sort of thing would you hold in your cell? What would you do if you knew, let's say, the day you were going to come into money? Well, you'd plan, wouldn't you? think, right, great, I'll tell you what I'll do. I know I'm going to come into money on the 23rd of September in 2016, so I'm going to plan to spend it all. Perhaps you're the sort of person who saves. Well, fair enough, you, you will save it. What if you knew the day you were going to die? What would that do to you? What would you say to yourself if you think, well, actually tomorrow is the day I'm going to die? When am I get, well, would you sleep tonight? I don't know. It's difficult, isn't it? I don't know what you would do if you actually knew the future, if you understood what was going on. What would you say, though, if I could say to you there's a book that if you haven't got one I personally will make sure you've got one it's called the Bible now you can download this if you've got the internet access you can even read it online you can actually not have to possess a book you can actually just read it online if you wish but there's so many ways of reading a book it'd be interesting wouldn't it this book has been around for a very very long time well over 2000 years is in its completion. It's been around. Perhaps not in the form we, we think. It's called the Bible. And like I said, if you haven't got one, we'll make sure you have got one. This Bible contains everything you'll ever know, or want to know, or need to know about your life on earth, let alone understanding what we're going to be doing today, which is looking at prophecies. 
so with this book the Bible then what do you think we could think about well this is one word that will come up there's one word that will help you understand something about the Bible it's called prophecy now that may be a word you've not come across and so I've just put in there what I've come across is the description it's foretelling or predicting of what is to come and that's what they're doing these people in the Bible there's several not just Daniel but Daniel specifically we're looking at is going to predict to you for his future and for our future quite something isn't it I found it quite amazing when I found out about Daniel and who he was and the fact that he was going to tell us he was going to describe to us in fact did you just realise that you've just read you've just read a prediction of what was going to happen in Daniel's future and what's going to happen in our future quite something isn't it and it's very exciting and very interesting well let's consider Daniel the man Daniel the man himself um, well I want you to understand one thing like the book of Ruth, like the book of Esther these are real characters they're not a made up story don't think that for a moment don't think oh well someone thought we'd just make up about a guy called Daniel or we'll make up a person Ruth these are real stories we absolutely believe this they're real stories of real characters who went through real situations in their life so when he's writing here and when he talks to you he's writing in about a vision he had this vision all right, and he wrote it down for us so we could understand just so you know his name if you need to know his name is called God is my judge and to be honest no better sum up of what happens to him he allows God to judge everything in his life he allows God to control all the things in his life he's, he's not frightened to do that he wasn't alone when he went to uh, be taken into captivity which is basically what happened to him so I don't know how you feel about that I know what I feel being taken from my home from my place is a familiar if you've ever been on a holiday abroad ever felt a bit out of place even in countries that perhaps speak English or reason English just go to Italy or something or go to France or go whatever just, just little tiny places like that which are not significant when we're on a holiday but you just feel a tiny bit out of place so you don't feel like you know the cultures but Daniel had the same problem with his friends as well we're told that he was a quite youngish man we don't know his age I mean some people have said he was 19 but he could have been any age let's say he was youngish let's say he was in his 20s just for our capabilities what we're going to look at he's taken from his own country and you can see he's taken all the way from Jerusalem all the way across and it's, it's actually an up and down journey it's not just a little straight across now or get on a plane get on a plane it will be less than an hour's flight in a car they reckon a day and a half by a camel it could be anything up to a week on foot it could be two to three weeks he travelled over 800 miles or more because he would go up and across the rivers because that was the simplest and easiest way to go he wouldn't go across the desert He'd go up and over and come down into Babylon. So he had a lot of time to think about what was going on, a lot of time to perhaps contemplate and what is happening. But he's with his friends, so I suppose he has a bit of moral support. They seem to be intelligent, and certainly that's what comes across. Daniel's not, I think, your average guy. He definitely understands things. He definitely seems to be able to really be an intelligent guy. That He's obviously standing out a little bit, and so does his friends as well. Was he pretty? Was he lovely? Well, that's open to debate. We don't know. But the one thing we do know of Daniel, he was definitely a man of God. <clears throat> it was a man that believed in God, it was a man that trusted in God. And if you read it, if you have the chance to go home and read it, please do. You'll discover just that point. If nothing else you discover, this man trusts in his God. 
So when he's shown something, when he does something, he wholly and wholeheartedly trusts in his God. Daniel is tried and tested by his captors. He is put into situations that maybe we wouldn't like to be put in. How would you like to be tested on what sort of food you have? How would you like to be tested on what you eat? My doctor's always telling me what I should eat. And he said, you should be eating this and that because it should be more healthy for you. But for Daniel, it was even more important than that. He was being offered the king's food. And because he was being offered that, he knew that there's a possibility it could have been offered to the gods of Babylon. So he says, with great courage, and I don't want to underestimate this when you read it for yourself, he has such courage to go against the Babylonian king. and say, no, I'm not going to eat that. And the, and the eunuch goes, hang on, you're going to put me in a really bad position. What, what are you going to do? So, well, you just give me pulses. You just give me stuff that I know that just comes fresh from the ground. That's just fresh. That's not been tainted. Then see what happens. And amazingly, or under God's control, under God's guidance, because he stood up, his countenance ends up being better than the ones that have been chosen by the king to be in the same, I suppose we'll call it university, shall we? Because I don't really know what else to call it. But So the guys that were in the same university, they looked better. Uh, they looked better than them. Daniel's companions on what was lesser food or worse food or technically not bad. But he stood up. He stood up against it. He's about to do also, and this, this is something that will happen to him afterwards. This is something that he will actually stand up against um, later on. In fact, I'll tell you why. Because a slight change in difference is that here Daniel's going to change. He's going to be put into a position that, I don't know how you, how you do this, but he's a man now, we think, certainly 80s, 90s, certainly aged, well trusted of his God. He's thrown in by Darius the king into a den of ferocious lions. But he has the courage, he has the absolute courage to actually stand up and say it'd be fine and he's, he's fine. And the king actually worries overnight and when the king comes to find him he discovers, Daniel are you okay? And Daniel says yes I am fine. Now why I've told you those little things is just to give you a background of who Daniel was. Just so you can understand this is a true man of God. This is a man that trusts implicitly in his God. No matter what situation he was put in, no matter what his captors thought they could put him into, it didn't matter. Well, there's an incident that happens a little bit later on in chapter 2 that I suspect you know most about Daniel. If you've ever heard anything about this, this chapter, this, the, Daniel's life, you'd have heard about the, this sort of chap that was really tall and the fact that um, he, he has this dream, this king. And this dream that he has, he didn't understand. And what he did, which was quite naughty of him, I guess, he said to all his wise men, if you can interpret this dream and guess what and tell me what happened, uh, then I'm going to believe you and we'll see how we go. So all the wise men came and all the wise men tried their best to understand. All the wise men tried their best to sort out that situation and try it, but they couldn't. They said, well, tell us, king. If you tell us what it is, we'll give you the interpretation. Now, can I tell you, friends, that's easy, isn't it? I have lots of companies come to me at my school and say, if you give me the prices of the other companies, we'll beat them. And I always think, yeah, well, of course you can, because if I tell you it's £10, you can easily say, well, I'll do it for 9 It's the same principle here. Whether he remembered his dream, I don't know. And so he dreams this dream of a statue. And he then dreams this dream, and he, he sees it, and he under, doesn't understand it. And he asks for all these people to come and sort it out. And you'll read this as you go through Daniel. But notice this. And this is in Daniel chapter 
2 verse 17 if you want to look at it. I'm going to take everything from the ESV, so that's just a translation of the Bible that I choose to use. It doesn't matter which one you use, but entirely up to you. Then Daniel went into the house and made the matter known to Hanai and Michael and Azra, his, com- his commitments, and told them <coughs> to seek mercy from the God of heaven. They wanted him to... They weren't going to do this on their own. They weren't going to find this on their own. They weren't going to interpret this on their own. They were going to have to ask for God's help. And it's very true that they do. Um, And he said of the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the Lord God of heaven. Daniel answered and said. And so he actually realises that he's been answered. And this dream has been answered. And he goes in and tells the king, he says, great, right, I'll tell you exactly what's happened. And he describes to him, you see several situations. And one of them is, you're the head of gold. And as you can see from the actual image, you will see that there it is. He says, you're the head of gold, you are Babylon. And he goes on to describe the others as well and tell them. Tells them that the silver is the next kingdom, bronze is the next kingdom, and then the legs of iron and the feet of iron and clay is another kingdom and then there's a rock that will destroy but Daniel doesn't take any of this and say oh it's me oh king I'm so wise I'm so great it was me that interpreted it or it's me that shows it all he doesn't say that blessed be the name of the God forever and ever says Daniel to whom belongs wisdom and might and changes times and seasons he removes kings from seats and sets up kings he gives wisdom to the wise and acknowledges to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows that what is the darkness and the light and dwells in him. You, to you, O God my, of, my fa- of my fathers, I give thanks and praise. For you have given me the wisdom uh, and might and have made known to me what is asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's matter Daniel's under no illusion and I want you to be under no illusion this is not Daniel giving his interpretation and saying oh look I know all this this is Daniel being told by God those interpretations so he was able to instruct and to show exactly what's happening so when you come to chapter 7 when we come to that chapter now when we come to think about it remember those things you can look at them yourself Daniel chapter 2 read through it again have a good look and we haven't really got time sadly to to give it real uh, look but as we think about the bible prophecy as we think about it we want to understand these things first of all the book is broken into two parts one is historical and one is of prophecies roughly from chapter 7 to 12 there's also another little thing that we need to note as well just on the way is that after chapter 7 the language changes into hebrew why does it do that because I think, or at least the understanding is, that of course it's talking to the Jews who understood, not the local natives. We, we see what happens. The other thing to note as well is the events here in chapter 7 take place before chapters 5 and 6. Which makes sense because we're talking about Belshazzar here. Chapter 6 is talking about Darius. So there's, there's obviously something gone wrong here. But Daniel's writing this down so it's not necessarily in the right order but just for purposes of what we're understanding, just so you know, these events are going to take place, believe it or not, before he's put into the Daniels in, he's put into the lion's den. So these things happen before then. We know that he's perhaps, 
into his 90s. We don't know for sure. There's no, you know, he was 90. We don't know that for a fact. But he was certainly in his older age as he receives what's going to happen. So then, now to what's happening here in chapter 7. What I want you to do is stay in chapter 7. I'm not going to really move from there. I'm not going to take us away from there. I'm going to try and show you what I think is happening. We're going to try and put it together. We're going to try and see what happens. We're going to try and look at it and see what we're going to see. Now, the first thing you're going to discover about prophecy is something very simple. It's about symbols. We're going to learn about a lion, a bear. We're going to learn about a cheetah, speeded animal. And I couldn't think of any other animal than this, unfortunately. This, this may be a bit funny. But you know the story of the beauty and the beast. And although it sounds comical, the idea is principally the same. I think you have to understand, and can I just put this into your minds now? We don't know exactly what Daniel saw. But if I said to you, there was a lion coming down the road, and it was followed by a leopard, and the bear came with it as well, you'd have that in your mind. If I then said... There was something else behind it, but I have no idea what it was called, and I have no idea what it looked like. I can't describe it to you. It wasn't a bear, it wasn't a lion, it wasn't a leopard. Do you get the idea of what's going on here? Daniel saw something. Daniel did see things. He understood, but he didn't necessarily understand the very last one. And so, we're going to come across what they call symbols. Sometimes England is caused, isn't it? <laughs> Three lines on their shirt, I suppose, is quite prevalent at the moment. Will they get through? Won't they get through? In the football. We kind of understand that. And if, if the bear, do we understand it perhaps as Russia? I don't know, do you? I mean, I don't know what, you know, what your ideas are. But there are animals sometimes associated with, with countries. And, and so we kind of understand that. And why would we understand that? Well, I suppose we'd understand it because we don't know exactly what Daniel actually saw. We know about the bear and we know about the lion. The lion is a strong animal. I've never seen a lion in the wild. But my uh, cousin has, and he's took photographs as well, some amazing photographs of lions feeding, and just the ferociousness of them, and the fact that they can down animals bigger than them, is quite obvious. The bear itself, I suppose, strong beast? Well, we know it can tear down trees if it wants to. It can definitely do damage. And the polar bear itself, that's a massive animal, that can really do some damage. But even the common bear will do some damage. What about the leopard? Well, we know the leopard is quite a strong animal, but also a very fast animal. Uh, my cousin again says, when taking photographs of them, he struggles, because with a camera, it's difficult to keep up with them when they're in full run, when they're really going fast. Keep these ideas in your head. And then, of course, we've got this beast I don't apologise at all for that image. I don't know what he saw. I don't know what sort of beast he is. I'm going to give you another picture in a minute. But that, that's just to try and make you think about it. The beast in that story is a horrible person. He's a person that does nasty things, says the story from Walt Disney. So I want you to think about the same idea. What did Daniel see? The symbols are there for us to understand even today, isn't it? Even today, I guess, we understand those symbols, I would think. So then, if we can get that in our mind, if we can think about that, if we can make sure we've got those symbols well and truly in our head, thinking, well, we'll try and think about the beast itself when we get to it, and we'll think about that awful one, the very last one, and decide what we think it is, not this cartoon type of thing, but whatever you think it could possibly look like. And we'll try and bring that into our minds as we go. So chapter 7, and now verse 1. In the, begin in the first year of Babylon, uh, 
Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and a vision of his head. And so we discover that he's in the time of Belshazzar. And as I said, that puts us back beyond and before chapter 5. And it puts us in that period, he's just there, he's, he's, he's just having a dream, he's having a vision of his head upon his bed. And thankfully for us, Daniel, when he has this vision, he writes it down. I'm glad he did. I don't even know how he began to write it down. He obviously remembered it very well. Because do you remember your dream? I had a dream last night. It's a very strange one, but I can't remember it. I, tried, I was trying desperately. If I had a dream, I was going to try my best to remember it to talk to you today. But I can't. It's gone. But I bet if I tried to, to write it down straight away, maybe I could remember it. But Daniel remembers it. And so we know in the first year of, of the Babylonian kingdom, we are there and we're in that situation and we understand it. I want you to understand also something else, that all the visions up to this point have technically been for other people. You'll discover as you go through chapter 2, who was it for? It was for Nebuchadnezzar. Why was it said? Well, it was perhaps said for him because he was, you know, certain circumstances had to happen and to prove to him that God was in control. All the other things that happen are happening to other people. This is the first time we come across something actually happening to Daniel himself. And so he puts pen to paper. He writes it down so that we can understand it, so we can come back and we can read it at our leisure. Um, we can understand what's going on. We're left in no doubt that it's a vision from God. How do we know that? Chapter 2, uh, sorry, verse 2. Daniel declared, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four wings of, of heaven were stirring up the great seas. Now here he's saying that it's a, it's a vision from God, it's a vision that God has sent me, it's quite something, it's quite dramatic, things were happening, things were beginning to happen, things were beginning to take place. He would see your beasts coming out of a sea. What's that all about? I, I've never seen an animal come out of the sea, I must confess, I've never witnessed that. I've seen people coming out of the sea many a time, but I've never seen an animal come out of the sea specifically. I've seen turtles. But I've never seen anything big come out of the sea. But all of his animals are going to come out of the sea. So this is quite something he's seeing. And so in verse 3 we say, And the four great beasts came up out of the sea, different from one another. So we know that for a fact. This, this is simple facts. We're not having to analyse this hard, are we? There are four different types of animals. Just as we saw in that little slide that we had of the four animals that we saw. They're totally different. Not, not the same, not even remote. What he's trying to do is saying they're different animals because they're different representations of different things. What about the sea? Well, the idea of the sea, we're told, in the Bible, certainly we haven't time to look at this, but in Ezekiel chapter 26, you'll discover it's the idea of times of trouble. It's the idea of almost war. It's the idea of problems. It's the idea of turmoil. And so the sea itself here is represented about confusion, about things happening. And I must confess of these four animals that we're going to look at very quickly this afternoon, the confusion and the warfare into it is just quite, quite something. And we must remember that they were all different one from another. And so we are beginning to understand that Daniel is seeing something unique. This is not normal. This is quite unique what we're seeing. And so he sees the four beasts. And so we move on to verse 4. <coughs> the first one he sees is a lion. And he sees this lion that's got wings. 
Now, I don't know about you, but all the pictures I've seen of lions don't have wings. But here in his vision, that is what he sees. And did you notice what else it was said? Then as I looked, its wings were plucked off. And it lifted up from the ground and made to stand, this is verse 4, stand on two feet like a man and was given, uh, the mind of a man was given to it. And so our little animal, this first beast, is this lion. Daniel understood that, he could see it. He could understand that it was a lion, he could understand what it looked like, he could see what it looked like, he, he kind of got it. But what was Daniel seeing? What is he looking at? Is he seeing a real lion? Well, maybe he is. Why is it standing up? I've never known a... Well, lions kind of stand up on their hind legs, but not very often, apparently. And that's what's happening here. It's been made to stand up. So what's he seeing? Well, Daniel was quite used to it, you know, because in, in and around the area that he was and in the country he was in, he was quite used to seeing lions. He was quite used to seeing animals that predicted also with wings. And in the British Museum, there's this uh, image that was taken from Babylon many, many years ago. Um, I think it's gone off, isn't it? Typical. Bear with this technology. And it was taken off. And it was taken off to the... Um, to England. And we can go and see that if you want to go and look in the British Museum for yourself. This particular thing is taken. And you can see it. And you can go and touch it and feel it. And it's got wings and it's got the head of a man, believe it or not. This is taking it a step further. And that's the kind of inference that he's talking about here, isn't it? It's becoming from a lion to a man. Who did that fit? Who was it fitting? Who was it in keeping with? Well, the lion was given, we're told, a man's heart. We're told in Daniel chapter 4 and verse 34 and 35 that here a man was in that position. It was Nebuchadnezzar. He was put into that position. He was actually gone, he actually went mad basically for a while. But eventually he became sane again. And we think, or at least we understand, and dates are dates, and please take them as they are. They're not necessarily absolutely right, but this is what we think. The lion equals Babylon. Remember your image that was there in the first chapter, chapter 2? The head of gold. This is the same. What he's seeing, basically, is the head of gold, but in the image of the lion. So what he's seeing here in verse 4 is the outcome of what Babylon's doing. So Babylon is strong. Babylon has a very strong situation. It was one of the strongest powers at the time, of course. But it was eventually churned over and, and eventually things didn't go as well as it could have done. So we think, at least we understand, if, if we're to read it properly, that the lion here totally and absolutely represents the Babylonian Empire. This is interesting, isn't it? We're beginning to learn about history. This is Daniel's history. So it was local to him. He knew about Dan he, Daniel knew about Babylon. He understood it. So perhaps that kind of made sense. He thought, well, actually, this one does make a bit more sense than most. Perhaps. He could see it. He'd, he'd lived through it. He'd been there. He was there already. He knew what Babylon was about. He'd been through it. And if we're to believe where he is in Belshazzar's time, he's actually outlived this Nebuchadnezzar. Has he outlived Babylon? Maybe. And of course... In chapter 6, things change tremendously. In verse 5 then, we come across yet another beast. And this beast is like a bear. 
But mysteriously, it's not just a bear, he's told. And behold, another beast, a second one, like a bear. It was raised up on one side. It had three ribs. Very strange. In its mouth, almost like it's just eaten. I don't tend to put ribs in my mouth, but this, this animal had ribs in its mouth. And, <clears throat> and in its teeth. And it was told, arise, devour uh, much flesh. So what are we seeing here? What's, what's happening now? This is even stranger, isn't it? Well... Daniel here is being told about this second animal and he understands it, he can see it he says I know it's a bear, I do understand that I quite understand it but the bear was raised up on one side we're told and was holding in its mouth three ribs what's this about? well from our understanding and from our knowledge of of, of history what came after the Babylonian Empire? well very simply the Medo-Persian Empire Again, dates around 539 to 331. A rough date of when the Babylonian Empire was destroyed and the Medo-Persians came on the side. And we're told by history that one side was stronger than the other. How do we know that? Well, the Persian army was actually quite strong. The Persian army could easily muster 2.5 million soldiers at any one time. And they did that when they went against Greece. It was a powerful, powerful army. And it was on, almost looking at the bear, who's sort of lifted on one side, one stronger, one weaker. Is this what Daniel's seeing? Is this what Daniel's seeing in his vision? Well, this is what history tells us. That's what came next. Well, what about the three ribs? What do we think they were? Well, some people say, and maybe this is true, that there were three main conquering things that the Persian Empire did, or the Medo-Persian Empire did. And that was to take three places, Lydia... Babylon and then eventually Egypt and this idea of that it's strong enough to just go and devour and it did, it just went out and it just did and so this third beast, second beast that he's seeing is very strong and very, very capable we're told that the defeat came 15 years after the vision Daniel had roughly, give or take and so Daniel was seeing the future Daniel witnessed this because he lived through it but he was seeing the future already beginning to see what was going to happen in the future. So what about our next animal? Well, the next animal is a very confusing one. The next animal was one that perhaps we don't quite see very often, and that's an animal with four heads. Oh, and it had a load of wings as well. Come down to verse 6. After this I looked, and behold, another like a leopard with four wings of the bird on its back. And the beast had four heads, and dominion was given to it and so it was taken over it was given dominion it was allowed to take over and so Daniel's witnessing all this he's watching all this he's seen the Babylon lion disappear slowly he's then seen the bear come up he's seen the bear overtake and do and devour and to to really ramp around the earth and then now he's seeing this which is the next animal which of course is this leopard we had three the third beast then is the leopard the symbol of an animal of prey now I want you to understand, it's as swift and it's fast, but is it as quick and as swift as some others? We think this is Alexander the Great, because he came very quickly, a young man, very young man, set off, and he literally was one of those people that just literally went for it, and he, he basically conquered half the world in, in less than a few years of his life. He didn't live very long, but uh, he certainly went there. We're told that, you know, this beast was a bird. Not like an eagle. I don't think like an eagle that can swoop and can do all It's a bit like a bird, I guess. It's pretty swift, able to go reasonably fast, but not quite as fast as the eagle can go. 
We're just going to show you a map of just how quick he did it. Look at this. He walks around here in really quick succession. Takes most of the known world then very fast. And he was only in his early 20s. And he did this. Marched his armies and they just went for it. Of course you think, well that's fine. Everything went fine. But he died when he was aged about, give or take, we think, about 32. And of course, what happens when these people die? Well, when he died... We're told that, um, sadly, things get taken over. And four generals are going to take over the situation. Also, we're told that he mostly died in the same place where Daniel chapter 6 took place, which is the finger, the writing of the finger in chapter 6, where the, the, our king that he's, he's living with at the moment, Belshazzar, uh, sees a handwriting and they think this is where he saw his demise. And of course, as like all the things, when he saw his demise, there were some people sitting in the wings, weren't there? There were four generals and they divided up the kingdom for themselves. Is that why there's four heads? Interesting, isn't it? And they took over the various parts of all that map that you saw. And they began to see slowly and take over everything that was in, in the then known world. They split it up, four of them. Coincidence? No. This is God showing through Daniel exactly what's going to happen. And this is beyond Daniel's life. This is beyond the situation of his life. And so we see here, and it comes up, thank you, the map here of how they divided it all up, the kingdom, sliced it together, just literally taking each part as they wished. Told it was roughly around 301 BC, give or take. And here they are, they take the world, they just literally split it apart. Daniel's seeing this. Daniel is watching this and seeing it happen before his eyes, symbolised in that leopard, symbolised in that image that he saw. So now he's seeing the future, way into the future. This is beyond his own life. This is beyond his own personal situation. He will not see beyond it. So then to verse 7. Now, I want you to think about this carefully. I'm going to put you a picture up in a moment that is a myriad of the pictures that have been sort of developed and done. I don't know what the beast looked like. Listen to what it says. After this I saw, verse 7, in the night vision, and behold, a fourth beast, terrifying and dreadful, and exceedingly strong. It had great iron teeth. It devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I don't know what it looked like this at all. I was trying to think of the most ferocious thing you can possibly think about. I was trying to find the most ferocious picture I could think about. It's a weird looking animal because it also the, coming out of its head is ten horns as well. This is the strangest beast you're ever going to come across. I don't know if Daniel was able to really describe it. And so we've been going down through history and we're beginning to see that we've seen the Babylonian time. We've seen the Medo-Persian. We've seen... For Daniel now, which is future for him, past for us of course, we've seen that Alexander and his men take power. So this is now the next power that's going to come along. And it's going to be powerful and it's going to be strong. It's the very worst of all the beasts. This is the, the most terrifying thing he ever saw. This is the most frightening thing. Now I don't know if you particularly go to movies to be frightened, but perhaps you do. Just think of the most frightening thing. Are you scared of spiders? Are you scared of, I don't know what you're scared of. Are you scared of anything? Are you scared of lizards or whatever? Whatever you're frightened of, try and think carefully. This is what Daniel's seeing. Something that's going around destroying 
everything in its way if it doesn't destroy it stamps on it I wonder what type of thing that could be it was different we're told that the last things that Daniel saw here was indescribable it just it just he couldn't describe it I don't think this was the strongest that everyone had ever seen stronger than Babylon stronger than the Grecian stronger than any of the empires that have come before this is the one that was like an iron rod that's what it's mirroring of course back in chapter 2 mirroring the legs of iron it will trod under feet everything it is everything in its way everything it sees and we're told that it is different from everything we see now if we're going to look at history and we look at the way it's done I can only come to conclusions. Some people don't agree with this, but I've come up with this conclusion because what comes next that is strong and powerful is this, the Roman Empire. And this one didn't stop, did it? It even got to us. It even came across England and even stamped its own thing. If you've been up some of the roads that you drive up, if you drive along some of the roads in England, they're nice and straight, aren't they? Not because the planners have particularly made them nice and straight, although they do with the new motorways, but if you're driving some of the older roads, they're nice and straight because guess who? Your Romans. A to B was their idea. They also brought lots of civilization. They crushed loads of people underfoot. They really did. They were basically a dominating force in the world of their day. They destroyed anything that was in their way and they impressed upon those people, whoever they were, absolute and total things Daniel is then told about this interesting thing about this this little horn this little horn which was going to appear in the middle of the head of this, this beast this horrible looking thing was to well be strange and looking wasn't it verse 8 look at this look what it says to say I considered the horns and behold there came up among them horns a little one before which three of the first kings were plucked up um, by the roots and behold in the horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking great things and so here he's trying to describe what is he seeing what am I seeing I'm seeing there's ten horns I'm seeing three and the other thing is this thing can speak by the way it can see and it's got a mouth and it can talk and it's quite amazing what he's looking at and what he can see this eleventh horn was able to speak and was able to talk. This 11th horn was able to describe undescribable things and talk about things. It was to dislodge three of the kings. It was to take them completely away. It was to destroy them. And the downfall eventually of this horn, we're told in verse 25, will be the way it speaks against God himself. So what's Daniel seeing? What's he, what's he began to see? Well, he's seen things that are just so, so horrible. And if you look for yourself, and if you have time to look, you'll discover that all these things are, you know, just, just amazing and just incredible what, what the horn has seen. It's seen things that are just unbelievable. But see this. Look at this. This is interesting. This just is a little pictorial description of how the world had changed and how the world is changing. This is described to us a little bit of how it's done. You can see how the Babylonian Empire is at the top. And you can see how that then the next one that's there is the Medo-Persians. Then you can see the leopard of the, of the Grecian Empire. And then look at the Roman Empire. But look down here at the bottom. If you look at the very bottom, it talks about three kings. We haven't time to look at this, but if you get a chance, look at when the Goths came along. And the three, ten kings come down and they take Rome and they destroy it. And what's incredible, as they destroy it, 
three of them go up against the person that was put in their place. And the person that was put in their place was this papal thing. What happened in Rome? Things started to fall apart later on in its life. And they'd moved the Roman Empire, they'd moved it, their capital city was Rome, but they'd moved it to Constantinople. They'd changed to a completely different place. And left a big hole back there in Rome. And the poor old head of the church that was there at the time, he took over. And what he tried to do was try and be a church guy as well as be a, well, basically a civil servant, I suppose. And when the two mixed together, things began to get not too well. And we found that most of the tribes were Christian. Most of the tribes understood, but there were three of them that weren't and didn't agree with it. And so he sent out armies to destroy them, and he did. And you will find the other armies. The Anglo-Saxons are there. Guess who they are? They're us. You'll see the Germanic tribes are still there, Germany. The French tribes are still there, and even the Spanish. But these three tribes that were left behind, that were destroyed... Even the things that are called the Vandals, which I always find was comical, but they are destroyed and you won't find a descendant of them. Now we've just looked into this very briefly and if you look into it a bit more, you'll see so much more. Time has really eluded us and time always does because this is just fascinating. Isn't it? This, is, this is history both being put into place and now we're talking about the future, what's going to happen. So what have we seen in Daniel? Well, we know that it's the same as Daniel chapter 2 is the same as Daniel chapter 7. It's a reiteration. And God does this a lot. When God starts repeating things, it's well worth taking note of it. It's well worth thinking about it. So we've seen the beasts. We understand who they are. At least we, we have, a, I hope, a, a little bit of an understanding of who they are. We understand, of course, that it's the Babylonian, the Medo-Persian, the Greece, and the Roman Empire. We hopefully see that the symbol and image that's in chapter 2 is of the same and looks the same. God has shown, I think, to us and to Daniel, of course, who he's talking to first. God has shown that he is in control of history and all has come to true. All those empires did exactly what their animals were described. Yes, they went in and destroyed. Yes, they went in and did things. But they slowly did exactly that. And so I think we know that, well, all things went well. But let's just leave you with the last bit that I think is interesting. Because this chapter doesn't just talk about up to this point and we got to Rome and that's it, everything went pear shape. It now talks about this. Look at verse 13 and 14. This, this is a wonderful words that are written by Daniel. And I saw in the night vision and behold there were the cloud of heaven. There came as one like a man, son of man, sorry. And he came of the ancient of days as he presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and kingdom and all peoples, nations and language shall serve him his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom is one that shall not be destroyed believe it or not news at 10 that's the talking about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and the coming of a kingdom which we fully believe in Daniel saw the future the future is out there it's up to us whether we want to take part of it, whether we want to try our best to look at it. I don't know whether you do or whether you're really interested, but I hope what we've tried to show you is just some things that are going to happen upon this earth. Some things that will eventually happen upon this earth. This earth is going to be taken over. It's going to be taken over by God. It's going to be shown, and with the image, if you remember, it will be destroyed. 
And even the animals that you saw will be overtaken. God will destroy. God will take care of this world and will make things up. That's why he's telling Daniel. That's why he's given us this vision. That's why he's showing us this vision. Because he tells us this, doesn't he, in verse 26 and 27. He tells us these words. And the court shall sit in judgment, and his dominion shall be taken away, to be consumed and destroyed to the end. We're told about the beast is destroyed. This horrible thing you can't see is eventually destroyed. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom shall be a kingdom, an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. God is determined to let you understand that it all comes from his word. He wants you to read. He wants you to understand that there are great things in place. Daniel saw the future. Daniel is showing you the future. And I hope that you'll be able to do it. If prophecy then is real, and Jesus is coming back, and all of it is real, surely you and I should take note of it. You and I should perhaps try and look at it a little bit closer. And try and understand a bit more. There's so much more about this. There's so much more that you can understand. Like I say, we, we talk to you as people that just try our best to understand the word of God. And here Daniel's just seeing a vision of all the things that are to take place upon this world. And he's telling you that there's going to be a coming of a kingdom. And when the Lord does return, he wants, as he says there, the saints of the Most High to be there. And one of the wonderful things is, you can be there if you choose to be. Well, I thank you for your time, and I hope that even though this has been a bit rushed, even though we've gone through it a bit fast, and even though we perhaps not talked about the things we should have done and perhaps missed a few things, you began to see an insight that Daniel saw his present, saw his future, and saw the ultimate future that goes way beyond us. And it's open there for all of us. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed that talk. For more downloads, information about what we believe, and details of our meeting times, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk